Friends, I have a confession to make. I have really good intentions. Like, I'm going to go for a walk every day. Or I'm not going to leave dishes in the sink for my husband to put in the dishwasher. Or we're going to all put our phones down and talk to each other. That's a big one around here. Yeah, I've got good intentions. What I don't always have is good follow-through or good habits. I'll go for a walk for a few days, but then I'm tired or I need to work through lunch or, or whatever. And that next thing you know, I haven't been on a walk for two weeks. Can you relate? Luckily, today's guest is an expert on turning those good intentions into good habits that actually stick. I need this one. So let's get started. Hello, gorgeous. Welcome back to the Everyday Style School, the podcast that gives real lifestyle advice to real life women. If you're new here, welcome. I'm your host, Jennifer Mackie Mary. I'm a wardrobe stylist who's been dressing everyday women for over 20 years. And I'm the founder of Everyday Style, where we're on a mission to inspire women to love the way they look and give you the tools to make getting dressed easy. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. I know you have a ton of podcast options. So thank you for choosing this one time after time. Today, we're continuing our summer interview series with Lisa Lazat, who is a home organizer who focuses on creating sustainable systems and habits to create more space and more peace in our homes and in our lives. I'm thrilled that we're having this conversation in the summertime because one thing a lot of us look forward to is the lack of routine in the summer. But I also know that the easy breezy idea of summer can actually look a lot like chaos, like messy kitchens and piles of laundry and too much screen time for everyone. And at the end of it, you kind of feel like, wait, where did the time go? Did we do anything? Or did we just kind of muddle through and have a messy house? So if your summer is starting to look like that, there is still time to get it together, my friend. One thing Lisa and I talked about in our conversation is this idea of just one degree, one simple thing you can do to make things better and make a big impact. And I know we're taking a bit of a break from style, but everything Lisa and I talked about in terms of our homes applies to getting dressed too. So as you're listening today, I want to encourage you to think about some simple habits you can do to not fall into wearing the same t-shirt and comfy shorts three days a week this summer. Yep, I know how it goes. I have my own t-shirt and comfy short outfit going on too. And sometimes we just got to break that habit. If you are a Style Circle member, I want you to bust out the wardrobe planner. I am telling you, this is the most underrated tool in the membership. I think it's worth the cost of the entire membership. And it will change your style and your mornings more than just about anything else. And it takes just a few minutes to do. It's really the epitome of everything that, that Lisa and I are talking about today. But even if you're not going to take that step and start wardrobe planning, think about what you can do to make your mornings easier and to love the results every day. Baby steps to better style is always the way to go. All right, let's get into developing better habits. But first, let's meet today's guest. Lisa Lazat is the host of the Habits and Home Show podcast and blogs at habitsandhome.com. She always felt like she was just treading water and couldn't get a good handle on being a wife and a mom and a homemaker. One day she realized that she was living beyond her capacity and that something had to give. 
she started decluttering not only her home, but all areas of her life and has created systems to support habits that have changed her life for good. Because she has experienced the freedom that comes from letting go and creating sustainable systems and habits, she's passionate about sharing her methods with other women. I'm really excited to have her on today. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the Everyday Style School. Hi, Jen. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you here. I was on your show and we just had such a good conversation that we wanted to keep the party going and we decided to have you come over here and talk about what you are an expert at, which is getting rid of clutter and getting organized. And what I really want to focus on today is habits, habits, because I feel like we all have good intentions, right? We all have good intentions for habits and not always good habits. So today I want to help people, myself included, because my shows are always just therapy for me. I want to help people learn to develop better habits that actually stick rather than, you know, like this major push to change your entire life. And then it all falls apart in seven days because nobody can keep it going. But first tell us how you got into doing what you do. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you so much. I love talking about habits. I love talking about it way more than decluttering an organization because habits is, like you said, what is going to stick. And that's the ultimate goal. We don't want to just have these super minimalistic homes and, you know, at one point, in like a weekend and then back to Monday, it's all chaos again. And so how I got to where I am, I would have to probably take it back to early motherhood, probably like 10 years ago when my third child was born. And it was, I had three children and it was just chaos all the time. And during that year that I was pregnant with him, I actually lost both of my parents within six months of each other. And I had to go into their home purge their stuff, make decisions while being nine months pregnant. Like I was on the verge of giving birth. I was probably like two to four weeks away from giving birth. And so I had to plan a funeral, go through their things, make decisions, what I wanted to keep. And it that moment really was kind of like a pivotal shift in my mind of like, okay, I'm already struggling with managing my home, managing the stuff. And then having to go through my parents' home when they weren't prepared, they weren't organized, it was very difficult to find passwords for their computer. We never got into my dad's computer. It was very difficult to know what claims could be made. It was very difficult for us to access bank statements and bank records. And we had to go through lots of legal hoops to be able to get the claims that they laid for us, that they you know, had available for us. It was very, very difficult. And so that was a pivotal moment for my life that I wanted to live a life that was easy to manage, that was very simple, that I was living a life of just being prepared and just more put together. And so that gave me the prompt to start weeding out, to start like living more simple. I remember I started with just the dre- my dresser, which was a, like a really long dresser, and it had nine drawers just for me. Nine a nine drawer dra- dresser full of clothes just for myself. And so I challenged myself little by little to get to okay, I'm going to get to just six drawers. 
okay, now I'm going to get to just three drawers. And I lived out of three drawers in my dresser while we lived in our 2000 square foot home. Well, shortly thereafter, after we decided to live more minimal in our home, we decided to be a little bit more extreme and we moved into an RV for a year and a half and we lived tiny. We kind of did the travel life just a little bit. My husband uh, worked in a specific location and we just traveled within an hour's radius of where he worked. And it was in that time that we were living in the RV that I realized it wasn't about the amount of stuff that I had. I had to have the habits to keep up with whatever amount that I had. Okay. So we can, you can still be a messy minimalist. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it was when we moved into that RV that the minimalist in me married the the habits and it became like total life overhaul. It's it when we moved into our now farmhouse, I decided I was like, I, I cannot fill up the space. I have to live within my capacity, even if that means that there's bare spots in the house. I, I don't need to fill it up. And so that is where I am today. I am also a professional organizer. I love to help people go through this transition and this mindset shift, if you will. And um, it led me to starting my podcast, which is also called The Habits and Home Show. That is fantastic. So I want to go back to your experience with cleaning out your parents' home, because as my listeners know, I've just recently been through that with my mom. And I, I cannot tell you what a gift it is or would be to give people who are following you, the, those who come after, the gift of making it easier, you know, the gift of of not just finding like random papers with account numbers on them, you know, and writing down your passwords. I am a huge advocate of getting the book. I think it's called I'm Dead Now What on Amazon. And it basically lays it out for people. And I just, I feel for you. I I can't imagine losing two parents within six months of each other and being pregnant. That is a lot. That is a lot on your, on your plate. So yeah, that is, that is a life-changing moment. I think, I think it, really challenges you to think differently about stuff and your legacy of stuff, right? Like what are you, and as we were cleaning out my mom's house just a couple months ago, I brought a bunch of stuff home, right? Like, oh, this is a waffle maker, an unused, unopened waffle maker. She never got to use this. And I brought all this stuff home and I put it in my office. I was like, I'll deal with it later. Like two months later, it's still sitting there. And I was like, is a Belgian waffle maker really the best way to remember my mother? Like, I don't remember her ever making Belgian waffle, make Belgian waffles for me. It's not like, what a great memory. No, it's just a thing. And I finally just got rid of all of it. I just let it, let it all go. And that is such a, it's such a weight off your shoulders, but I do agree with you that it is not the stuff. It's the habits because you can be a messy minimalist or you can be a really well-organized maximalist. I've been in, I've been in closets that are just huge and full, but they know where everything is. Right. Mm -hmm. And they use everything. So it's, it is about the habits. Mm -hmm. You have a concept called habit stacking. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? 
Well, it, I, I wish I could take credit for it, but it is not my concept of, uh, I did not coin the term, but I do utilize it a lot. And you could also call this, some people call it anchoring. So what you're doing is you're taking the new habit, you're identifying the new habit that you want to establish and you are anchoring it or stacking it basically pairing it with a habit that you have already established. So say brushing your teeth. Brushing your teeth in the morning is a habit. You you hate the feeling of slimy teeth after you wake up. So you are motivated to brush your teeth every morning. It is already a well-established habit. But say you want to now create because you're now in your 30s, 40s, and so on, you want to take better care of your face and your skincare. And it's not a habit for you because you've lived, been living in your 20s and basking in the sun and just, you know, you have this beautiful, youthful skin. Well, now you want to start taking better care of your skin. And so you want to start the habit of putting on lotion in the morning or washing your face in the morning. And so knowing that you need to set up your environment so that when you are brushing your teeth, that it is staged so that you see the routine that is supposed to take place. You're setting up your environment to support the lifestyle and the habits that you want to be living. And so the concept of habit stacking is basically taking habits that you already have well-established and stacking on new habits. So a couple of examples that I use and have in my life is um, I go to the gym every morning. And so my habit is when I wake up in the morning to go to the gym, before I walk out the door, I switch to the laundry from the washer to the dryer. Now let's back up a little bit. And I have a habit that I've worked really hard to establish in the evening, which is my evening reset. And a part of my evening reset is before I go to bed, I go ahead and I start a load of laundry. Okay, so you can see how the the habit that I want to do, I want to have a good laundry routine. A laundry routine is from start to finish, thinking about where the dirty laundry is going to collect and then how it's going to get back to its, I call it where it, where it sleeps, <laughs> where your laundry goes to bed, which is your closet or your dresser, okay? So you got to think through the entire cycle of laundry and how you can stack each step of that process onto another habit that you're already doing. So that's basically the the concept behind habit stacking. I love that. So quick question, how do you get your kids to participate in the last part of that laundry habit, putting it away? Because I know lots of our listeners are mothers and I don't want to get off on a laundry tangent, but I feel like that's where the whole laundry thing falls apart for people, right? Like I can collect it. I can wash it. I can dry it. Folding it starts to fall off a little bit, but the putting it away, especially with kids, and then it's just piles of laundry. Any habits, any kid habits you can think of to stack with that? Yes. I, I love teaching habits to kids because I have three that are with me 24 seven because we homeschool. And so I, for to not lose my mind, I have to train them in good habits. So I always advise my clients or my podcast listeners to always start with yourself first. Okay. Always train yourself, get yourself into really good habits, get excited about them before you say, Hey, we're going to do this thing now. (laughs) 
So um, it's pro- you're gonna you're gonna speak to them by practicing what you're preaching. Okay, so you're gonna you're first gonna work on yourself first. So first of all, establishing what your ideal. We don't even we don't. A lot of us just do laundry just to do it. We're like, oh, we ran out of underwear. We need to do laundry now. <laughs> but really, when you're not stressed, when you're in like a neutral zone of your mental thoughts you know, no emotion, you're not emotional or anything, really think about the entire process, the entire system of doing a laundry and walking through each step. Okay. So when will I start a load of laundry? First of all, backing up, where will laundry collect? And we need to create that, that niche where it's going to collect. When will I start it? When will I switch it? Where will it go to be folded after it's it's washed and dried, and then how will it be putting be put away? So you can almost make like a circle map or a diagram and write out each of those steps and really plan it out. Like think about your ideal routine. What would it ideally look like for different people? You might want to do just laundry on the weekend. Great, plan that out. For other people like me, I do a load a day to keep the cobwebs away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, or keep the the laundry at bay. So for kids, they've seen me do this for years. Okay, kids learn. What do they say? It's caught and not taught. Yeah. Right. So they don't know any different. Okay. Now they did know difference back when we before RV life because we had these two long couches and there was always a pile of laundry on the couch at all times. But living in the RV really taught us some really good habits. Now for us, our laundry routine looks like this. When my husband is able to help, we have negotiated with each other that if he will sit on the couch, watch TV, and just fold the laundry, I will be in charge of putting it all away. Okay. Okay. And I just told him, when you're asking for help, I like to kind of play this damsel in distress and say, babe, I am just, I am not good at this part. I really, really am not good in this area. Can you just do this one part for me? Cause you are just really consistent, just building them up. They're more likely to hop on board and be consistent with it. So for us, if my husband does his part and he's he's folded folded the laundry in the living room and he's laid it out then before our habit our evening routine is that before the boys go to bed and it's mainly my boys because my daughter is a teenager she washes her own clothes yep takes care of herself it's dreamy right so we have a habit that we established long ago and we're stacking this habit, this new laundry habit on top of this other bedtime habit, we have a bedtime routine habit of tucking our boys into bed, saying nightly prayers with them, maybe reading with them. So we're always going to their bedroom to tuck them in. So we make ourselves before we go upstairs, we say, okay, here's your stack of clothes, carry it upstairs and put it away. And we go in their room and we check behind them and say, okay, you haven't put it away yet. I'm not reading with you tonight because you're going to have to use that extra time to put your clothes away. Okay. So I think you have to have your, your kids wardrobe, first of all, manageable. They have to be able to manage their wardrobe. They should be able to, because it's their clothes. Okay. You're setting them up with good organization. You're keeping their drawers really minimal, really strategically like organized so that when they put clothes away, they're not just stuffing it in or, or, you know, just throwing it in random stuff. 
it takes some intentionality on your part to train. So I like to use the model, and this is from my teaching background. I do, we do, you do. So if I am teaching them, if I'm in the I do phase, I'm going to literally, I'm going to say my son's name. I'm going to say, son, follow me. I'm going to grab your clothes. This is exactly what I want you to do when we go to bed. I'm going to give you your clothes. I'm going to hold your clothes right now. I'm going to show you. I'm going to carry them upstairs in this nice nice stack. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to lay them on the floor or on the bed. And I'm going to take the socks off the top of this uh, stack and I'm going to put them in this drawer. Okay. Then I'm going to take the pants off of the, the stack and I'm going to put them in this drawer. Then I'm going to take my shirts and they're all laid out how we do laundry. We don't fold any shirts. We keep all shirts on hangers because it's really easy for kids to hang clothes rather than fold clothes. And so I have when my husband is sorting clothes or I'm sorting clothes, we lay all the shirts in their own pile. They take the shirts into their closet and they just put them on hangers and hang them up. And so that is basically our evening laundry routine. All right. So let's back up a tiny bit and talk about why are habits so hard to start and stick to? Well, because we bite off more than we can chew. We don't break it down and we try to go so fast. We we think that tiny movements aren't really making any progress. And I always say tiny habits in the right direction can totally change your life. If you think about um, James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, he talks about the, the one degree of change. Mm-hmm. If you think, Im, Im, imagine a an airplane who is on his way to say New York City from LA. If he has a trajectory in that direction, and if he changes just one degree, he can end up in you know, Boston, or he can end up in, in Michigan. And so just making teeny tiny habits is going to radically change your life. But we have this idea that it has to be very quick, very dramatic changes. And so we end up giving up because we don't see quick changes. We're not breaking it down. If anybody has tried to, at the beginning of the year, make resolutions, mm-hmm. And they failed with them is because they bit off too much. They they tried to do too much at one time. So just knowing that one tiny change is going to be impactful in our life and knowing that, then we're more likely to, to stick it out. I think that's such a great point. And it really sort of speaks to what I talk about with women who want to improve their style, right? If you are walking around in yoga pants and t-shirts every day, and you say, I want to put myself together. I want to dress better. And you go and all you buy is like dress pants and blouses and heels. You're going to do that for a day. And then you're like, I'm uncomfortable. I don't feel like me. And you're going to go back to wearing your yoga pants and t-shirts every single day. So I always used to say to people, all right, what are you doing on Tuesday? Like Monday is the day where you get up and you kind of have like energy, right? I'm, I'm going to face the week. I'm going to do things differently. Monday night, you're tired. Tuesday is when the real you comes out, right? So I always (laughs) tell people like, what do you really want to wear on a Tuesday? Oh, you just want to wear cuter leggings and cuter t-shirts. That's a great place to start. Start with these tiny baby steps. And then when you're ready to push it from there, you will. When you're ready to, you will. So let's talk about that person who's like, my life is a mess. My home is a mess. I have terrible habits. I forget to take my makeup off at the end of the day. And they want to do all the habits, Mm -hmm. all the habits. 
what are some like really impactful habits mm-hmm. that are sort of dominoes to everything else? I know there's the book, I forget who the book is or who, but it's like make your bed every day. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's some military, you know, general or whatever. It's like make your bed every day mm-hmm. because that starts you off on a path of success. So what would you say are a few easy, simple habits? If you need to change everything, what are going to be the biggest bang for your buck? Right. Well, I sent out an email to my subscribers just a couple of weeks ago um, talking about pillar habits, which is very, it sounds very similar to what the guy is talking about in making his bed every day. So a pillar habit is something that, like you said, once you do it, all the other habits work like dominoes. And the reason that it happens is because we feel successful. If we can do something right away, that's our pillar habit. That is a part of our identity. It's a part of who we are. It's a part of what gives us comfort. What it's something that we can attach ourselves to that is just, just ours. So my, one of my pillar habits or my pillar habit that makes everything fall into place is utilizing my paper calendar. It's when I put pay, you know, the just the act of using it and I I love it. And so when I you when I do that, it makes everything else feel very organized and everything else fall into place. Another good pillar habit or habit that you can do on a regular basis that's going to, you know, kind of systemize everything else is the habit of resetting. Re- just the idea of resetting that when you are working in a space, so for instance, I'm in my office right now and I'm utilizing my office for the next couple of hours. When I'm done with this space, making myself stay in this space and resetting the space back to its original baseline, it resetting it back to how I want it to look when I show back up to it is totally life transformation. I started doing this a couple of years ago when I would do an evening reset. And I started, I have um, a free checklist now that helps people basically treat their home like an assembly line at night. And I start in my kitchen with my, my kitchen reset. And I did this for a couple of months before I added anything else on. And so what I wanted to do is I didn't want to wake up the next morning to sloppy leftovers. I started treating myself like I am my best friend. And how would a best friend treat you? She would take care of you. She would want to give you the best. She would want to, you know, make you feel good the next day. She wants to encourage you. And so I started thinking myself, I want to be my best friend and give myself the gift every morning waking up to a clean reset kitchen. And so I read Marie Kondo's book, um, The Something Life of... The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Yes. Now, I do not... I'm not... I'm very different than Marie. (laughs) But one good gold nugget that I got from her book was Clear Surfaces. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm done. I, I just started clearing my surface and that became my baseline. During the day, it's okay to use my my surfaces as the workspace. But at night, think about like a kitchen at a fancy restaurant. They don't have like pretties sitting all around. It's their it's their literal workspace. And so when if you don't have a lot of stuff on your counter, you're able to wipe it down really easy. I 
part of my my evening reset in the kitchen was not to leave dishes in the sink because I didn't want to wake up the next morning to have to do them. I wanted that that feeling of like, oh, that feels so nice. That feels so good to wake up the next morning and not have to do these chores that I should have made myself do last night. I will even lay in bed at night and I'm thinking, I'm I'm just going to do it. I'm just I'm not going to do those dishes and I will my, it will haunt me. <laughs> The habit is so ingrained now that I will just be like, okay, it'll only take 10 minutes. Go do the dishes. So these are just a couple of habits. I I really suggest that you find your pillar habit. What makes you feel good? What makes everything just fall in its place if you stick to that one habit? And just start small. Like I started with my, my kitchen reset. Now I have five areas that we reset and we just go in a line. We go kitchen living room because that's where we are after dinner. Then we go into the bathroom to brush teeth. So we reset the bathroom. Then we go up to the to our bedroom or the boys' room or our bedroom. And I we just spend a, spend a couple of minutes before putting them to bed. Say, okay, let's reset. Let's let's just put everything back. And it literally takes two minutes. We rarely ever have to like quote unquote clean bedrooms because it's just resetting. Well, this is something that that we talked about on your show and you asked the question, I believe it's like, what's one habit that, you know, helps your house run smoothly, I think is what it was. And I talked about my family's five minute cleanup after dinner and every, every night after dinner, we spend five minutes, sometimes it's 10, but five minutes just picking up, you know, the shoes that got kicked off in front of the door and didn't get placed, you know, on the shoe rack or the backpack that was left in the middle of the floor or the mail that was left on the island. Just get, just take care of it all. Because then when you do have to clean the kitchen or you do want to clean the floors, you're not picking up and then cleaning. Like the process of actually cleaning things is so much easier. And it's just... I, I always say that my the state of my island in my kitchen reflects like the state of my mental health, mm-hmm. right? When it is clean and shiny and uncluttered, I'm calm. When it's cluttered and, you know, the flowers have died and the cereal bowls are, I just feel so yuck. So it is just those little tiny things that make mm-hmm. such a huge, huge difference in, in just how you feel. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So. Let's talk about bad habits for a second, because we all have want to have good habits, but we all have bad habits, right? I know I do. I'm sure everyone else. What are some tricks to breaking a bad habit? So we all know that what we give focus on grows, right? Have we ever heard that? What we focus on ends up growing. If you have a garden and you focus on tending the weeds and you focus on fertilizing it and you focus on watering it at the right time, then it's going to grow. So instead of us focusing on our bad habits and like giving it our all of our attention, we focus on the good habits. And so we can use the strategy of like habit replacement. So what I had was a bad habit of picking up my phone. Um, this this was years ago, years ago when I first probably got on social media and um, it was either picking up my phone for social media to scroll or to be on Pinterest and just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And my husband would be watching TV and I would just be scrolling. And I just didn't like the way it made me feel. And so what I did is I found something that I could use that that would 
replace that habit and utilize my hands. And so if my hands were busy doing this other thing, then my hands couldn't be used to scroll social media. So when I sat down in that rocking chair, my husband was in his recliner and I was in mine. And what I, what I took up was I learned how to crochet. And I, I set up the environment. So we set up our environment to support the habit that we want to perform, right? And so I, I had my basket. I became a little old lady. I set up my basket of crochet and I learned some, just some basic crochet, um, uh, whatever you call it, some knots or whatever. <laughs> I learned how to do the basics. And so it really took away that need for my hands to be doing something else. So I would say, instead of focusing on breaking the bad habits, get creative with instilling and establishing good habits and things that you want to be doing in its place. So say you have a habit of, um, after dinner, always going and eating ice cream. Okay, right? So instead of eating the ice cream, a good habit that you could do is you go on a walk, you walk from your house to the mailbox, or you replace it with eating um, an apple and some peanut butter. Uh, You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So really knowing what habit that you are not happy with, but then also identifying identity plays a huge role in our habits. So say you are someone who uh, you are have a habit of being a messy person or leaving your shoes um, in the wrong place and not putting them back. Really embodying and identifying, okay, and saying to yourself, I am a person who puts things away. I am a person who cleans up after myself. I am a person who is not late. That is the habit that I'm working on this quarter for myself. I am a person who shows up early. I have never shown up early anywhere. (laughs) So our identity also plays a huge role into it as well. I think that's actually so important because it really starts with who you think you are and who you want to be. And then the behaviors support that. But you're right. You do have to, you have to start with, I am a person who shows, I show up chronically on time. It is, it's my annoying habit probably to everyone. I am never, ever late, but if I were a person who didn't show up on time and said to myself, I am a person who shows up on time, or in my case, I am a person who puts her laundry away (laughs) as soon as it's folded and doesn't live out of the basket for a week. That's my habit. That's my bad habit to break. (laughs) Um, I think that, I think starting with the mind is always, always really important. So we've talked about the reset and how Mm -hmm. important it is. Can you talk about what does it look like for someone to actually develop this reset habit? How do, how do you start this? Okay. Well, first of all, knowing where you want to be, like you said, knowing who you are now and who you want to become noticing what triggers you. If it all triggers you, then you just have to start somewhere. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what I, I have people do, I, I, if, if everything is triggering you, then I say just dump it all out on, on paper to get it out of your head and onto paper. But as far as resetting, think about a place in your home that you're utilizing consistently and just start resetting that one place. So say you're hanging out on the living room couch and there's always this, everybody just leaves the pillows, Dis in disarray every time you leave, 
making yourself slow down, making yourself slow down, plant your feet in that room and say, I will not leave this room until those pillows are back to where they need to be. Also, this is where decluttering comes into place because if you have so much to reset, you're going to feel frustrated. You're going to feel like you're not getting anywhere. You're going to you're going to like re, kind of reset, but then you're going to turn around and say, it still looks horrible. It still looks like a mess. There's levels of decluttering that need to continue to happen. If And I say it's living within your capacity. You need to declutter your space, your living space to the level that is within your capacity to manage it well, to manage it to the degree that you want it to be managed. We talked about those maxim, maximalists who have a lot of stuff. I I don't teach people to be complete minimalists. If you can handle a lot of stuff and manage it well, and when I say manage it well, it's based on your standard, not anybody else's standard, mm-hmm. not on Pinterest, not on HGTV, not on Home and Garden. It's your own standard. If you feel like, yeah, I'm managing this house well, it's in my capacity, But if you feel triggered, then that is a telltale sign that you're living beyond your capacity and you need to start weeding out. And when you do that, your reset habit will be a lot easier and it will be a lot more satisfying as well. That is really interesting. I I know I shared with my listeners, I had a a photo shoot mm, a few months ago and I had clothes everywhere clothes everywhere. Because as a wardrobe stylist, you can't just like show up for your photo shoot and take one picture, you know, like there's a lot of stuff. And I had so much and we were launching a capsule and I had racks and racks and racks of clothes around me. And I felt like I was drowning in clothes. I just, and I I like clothes and they were all pretty. It wasn't fun to look at. I, I couldn't think. They were all in my office. I couldn't think. I couldn't work. I was just drowning in clothes. And that really kicked off for me this epic closet purge. I, I did an episode about it where one night I just looked at my closet and I was like, no, enough, right? I, just enough. And I cleared out more than I had in a long time because it was, I just needed that weight to be gone. I just... Mm-hmm. And I am not a minimalist. I'm not, I think that minimalism can go one of two ways. And I do think it's all about your perspective. Some people, if your stuff owns you, it's it's not a good thing. And that can happen when you don't have a lot of things. I've worked with clients who were so obsessed with being minimalist that it was almost like just being, just having too much stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. I can't buy another thing because I I don't want to get rid of any of these things. Okay, but you can't get dressed every day. So maybe we just need to add a pair of black pants, right? Like maybe, but they were so tied to that arbitrary number of how many items they should have. And I think it's, again, we keep coming back to the idea. It's not about the stuff. Mm -hmm. It's about how the stuff makes you feel. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think minimalism can be just as much as a weight Mm -hmm. as stuff can be. If Yeah. if living with your minimalist stuff is is hard, you know, I think that that's the other side of the coin. I admire people who can live with less though. I really, I'm always trying to get there, but that was just a moment for me. I just looked at it and I was like, no, done. Don't want, just don't want, just don't want. And gosh, it was such a weight. 
Yeah. I, I practice and I coach people to utilize mindful minimalism, which is like you said, how does it make you feel like being very conscious of your, your purchases, being very conscious of the things that you are having to manage. Um, a lot of us are just living life with without much thought. We're yeah. just doing things out of like, oh, it's a Friday. I just got paid. I'm going to go to TJ Maxx and buy some cheap clothes and <laughs> no offense to TJ Maxx and their clothes. But you know what I mean? Like we're just, we're just doing things without really slowing down and being more mindful about creating a space, creating a life that supports us. And I, I, I completely agree. I, I the, the thought of having the thought of having a capsule wardrobe absolutely like does not appeal to me at all, even though I basically wear the same thing over and over and over. But the thought of like having rules, like having the 33 items or whatever, it just is not appealing to me at all. And so I like to um, share with people, just be mindful. If you want to use minimalism, you know, as like a, an encouragement, then then great. Just know what your capacity is to handle and manage things and just start weeding out your life and start decluttering. That's like your schedule. That's your your obligations. That's, you know, what kind of meals am I going to make? Am I going to be all Pinterest meals? Heck no. That is not the life I want to live. That's not within my capacity. So that's what I like to teach people. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, I think when it comes to capsules, it is again about the mindset rather than the stuff. Mm-hmm. The 33 pieces, if you say, these are the only th- 33 pieces I can have, I can't have any more. If this, you know, if it's hot one day, I can't go into my summer clothes because these are my 33 pieces. You know, we create a capsule wardrobe every single season for our our subscribers. And First of all, we put too much in it because we know that not everyone's going to resonate with every piece. Mm -hmm. So you can take a couple out and still get dressed. And we encourage people to use other stuff. You know, every season we get asked, but what do I do with the stuff that isn't in the capsule that I already own? Wear it. Wear it. Like this is a guide. It's a blueprint for an easy mix and match wardrobe where you do have more style by using fewer things. It's a cohesive wardrobe, but it's not meant to be hard and fast rules because then then again the capsule's running you right your wardrobe is running you rather than you running your wardrobe yes. so i think it, it's all about mindset that's what i love about you jen is that you just make people feel held and you give them permission i love that when you were speaking on my podcast um there's just not these hard and fast rules it's all about how you feel and a capsule wardrobe, if it supports you, if it helps you, if it takes away that uh, decision fatigue in the morning, great. If it helps you to streamline your style, great. I love that. But I love that you're giving permission to people that, yeah, it's okay to go into your fall bin and pull out a scarf if it just happens to have like a crazy fluke of cold weather in the middle of summer. (laughs) Or if you have a wild pair of pants that isn't in our capsule colors, but you love them, find a way to work them in. Yeah. I just think that a lot of people set, and this is probably with habits too, the whole rigidity of thinking Mm -hmm. that we just, we start to live for the rule Mm -hmm. rather than the rule supporting us. Yes. 
right? And I think anywhere we can eradicate that idea, you know, whether it's with clothes, food, stuff, even habits, right? Like if it makes you feel good to to do those dishes at night, do the dishes, mm-hmm. do the dishes. Yeah. But if you're laying in bed and you're super comfortable, but you're like, I have to go do the dishes, then don't, right? right. They, like every day. So let's talk about that for a second. Because there are times where where you don't do your habits, where we don't do our five minute reset, where we don't, you know, put our clothes away and we live out of the laundry basket again, totally me. I think for a lot of people, they kind of treat habits like a streak you can't break. Right. And then once you break the habit, you're like, Oh, it's all forget it. Now why even bother? How do you get back on track when you get out of your habits, when you get out of your routines? Uh, Summer, we are in summer, and this is the lack of routine central for for everyone, especially moms. How do you get back on track when you have gone astray from your habits and routines? So like I was saying earlier, when I have a daily reset routine, I like to have reset routine checkpoints. And so like I do, our ideal laundry routine is that I would wash a load every single day. Well, if I get off and I don't go days without it, then I have a backup, which is my weekend reset. And I just keep it very minimal. I have a three, you know, and you get to pick whatever it is on your weekend reset. Um, I meal plan on the weekend. I reset my calendar and I catch up on any laundry. And if nothing else gets accomplished for the weekend, I am good with just that. So I have these checkpoints. You could have monthly checkpoints, monthly resets. So my car is usually a hot mess, but once a month, I treat myself to going through the car wash or getting it detailed from somebody else. And that is my monthly reset if I need it, if I don't stay on top of it. Um, So I like to revamp routines each quarter. So like I said, like this quarter is my my time to work on my being early habit. I want to, and I, I'm hyper-focused on that. I'm really, my first quarter habit was to read more. And I am soaring through books. I am, I'm like on book number 30 of this year. I am wow. like audible books, reading books, physical books. I'm doing really good on that habit. So each quarter I, or each season, I would advise people to revamp. Okay, what is what is our flow? What is our natural flow? And I like to also advise people to create rhythms and routines around your natural flow. Because if you go with your natural, your natural God-given like flow of your life, if you're a morning person, great. If you're not, it's okay. You create the flow, the rhythm. I call it the assembly line for your life, how it's supposed to go. So if you get off track, just have these catch-up days or these catch-up weeks or these reset points that you know, okay, all right, guys, let's take a moment. Let's all clean. You get this room. You get that room. I'll get this room because we haven't kept up with it on a daily basis during our daily routines. At one point, we're just going to reset and all pitch in. So I don't think it has to be, you don't have to like fall off the bandwagon. I don't like habit trackers. I think that they're very over and I'd feel like I'm not being successful if I don't check off a, a, a box. So I, I don't really like them, but, um, you have to know yourself. You have to know what you need. And it all goes back 
to setting up your environment and your support systems to support the life that you want to be living, okay? Getting it down to your capacity. What is in my, within my capacity to handle, to handle in a way that I want it to be handled? Um, and then just creating more margin in your life too. Like we're just fast paced all the time. And so a lot of these habits that we want to do, we can't remember to do them or we don't have time to do, do them because we're, we're, we're living at such a fast pace. That is great advice. And I think, again, in summer, understanding what your capacity is. I think a lot of times we feel, especially as moms, like, oh, I'm going to have so much time to get things done. And summer always turns out to be a little bit of a disaster because you end up having, you know, no free time, especially when you're driving kids here and there and everybody's going to a different camp and all that good stuff. And then you just kind of feel like, oh, the summer was a failure. So understanding your capacity and what season you're in, mm -hmm. that really made me think my very first business coach I ever had, she had this insane morning routine. Now for her, it was not insane, but it was, she wakes up at four in the morning and journals for two hours. <laughs> that would blow right. my mind. <laughs> journals for, for two hours and then does a bunch of work. And then she took a nap from... 12 oh, to two every day. And when I had her as a business coach, I had a two-year-old and a six-year-old and no childcare. So I'm not sure how this two-hour nap in the middle of the day was going to work. And I just remember saying to her, like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. And she kept on like, this morning routine is the way to be successful. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to be successful then because I'm not getting up at four, I'm not journaling for two hours, and I'm not taking a nap in the middle of the day. So understanding like what, who you are, how you operate, and your capacity, I think is really, and then maybe lowering expectations or tempering expectations for yourself. Yeah. If she had said like, journal for five minutes, okay, maybe I can do that. Maybe we'll start with five minutes. Maybe then we can go to 10. But coming out of the gate with two hours of journaling, no, it's my yeah. worst nightmare. Yeah. So, so that's one of the first things that I do with my clients is I have them walk me through their ideal perfect day. Mm -hmm. And then we troubleshoot different, like, okay, let's break this down. What, how can we get this to happen in your ideal perfect day? Does it have to be, does every day have to be perfect? No, we're using this as an opportunity to dream. And knowing yourself, we're all different, but the problem is influence. We are so influenced by what we see on social media, by what we hear all the time that we don't even know who we are anymore. When I turned 30, 10 years ago, I was like, who is Lisa? Who, who am I? And so this whole like decade, I've been utilizing it to really figure out who I am. And I like the person I am. But we're all, so many of us are like trying to figure out, oh, I'm going to be a little bit of her and I'm going to be a little bit of her. And it's okay. It's okay to piggyback off of somebody until you fig figure it out. And I feel like a lot of people figure it out in their 30s and especially in their 40s. Like, yeah, I am so confident. I know who I am. But I think, like you said, really knowing who you are, what season you're in. You have young ones. That's not the season to wake up at 4 a.m., <laughs> Or take a two-hour nap in the middle of the day. Not the season yeah, for that. Not the season. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we're going to wrap it up, but I like to ask a couple of, of questions at the end. The first one being, where can people find you? And I think you've got something for our listeners, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So you can find me at habitsandhome.com. That is like the hub for my my p- blog, my podcast, my business, everything over at habitsandhome.com. The podcast is called The Habits and Home Show. So it's all about habits in your home. And then uh, the freebie that I have for your listeners is a free reset checklist. And it gives you a guide in there of how to utilize the, the checklist, how to take it in bite-sized pieces so that it, the habits really stick. I love that. I'm going to go grab that because I love the idea of the reset. One thing one thing I do every morning is I set the living room. My office looks out onto our living room and, and our backyard has these big, huge, beautiful trees. And in the fall, I get so much color. So every morning I open all the blinds. I do the pillows because my husband usually stays up later than I am. And you know I'm not going to make him do it before he goes to bed. But I organize the pillows because as I'm looking out, I want to look at a nice, clean environment. I set a candle. I turn on a lamp, not the overhead light. Like I just set it for success. But I love the idea of being more intentional at night and resetting so I wake up to. Maybe I won't light the candle at night. That seems like a bad (laughs) idea. That seems like a terrible idea. (laughs) I actually did a podcast episode um, and I think a blog post on this, but the assembly line model. So the assembly line takes you from, you know, it follows your natural flow and your natural evening flow. And if you really think about it, your natural morning flow is the reverse of your natural evening flow. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you start you start your evening in the kitchen and you end in your bedroom. Well, you start the morning in your bedroom and you work your way to the kitchen. And so if you think of it like an assembly line, do all of the tasks and reset, and do your habits in one room, like really plant your feet in that room and do the tasks, the habits, and the routines in that room before you move on to the next room. So your your life moves in this assembly line manner. I love that. That's such a great idea. All right. So I've got one final question for you. It's a question I ask everybody. If our busy, busy listeners who are probably driving in the car, if they take one thing away from our conversation today, what would you like them to remember? Capacity. The number one thing is knowing what your capacity as you as a person can handle in this season of your life, okay? Whatever age you are, however many kids you have, whatever your life is in this season, lean in to what your individualized capacity is and then be really confident and strong in that and be like, if somebody offers you something or invites you somewhere, you can be open to it. It's not hard and fast rules, but you can use the excuse in your mind. Um, no, I can't do that right now. You don't have to tell them it's not within your capacity, but you in your mind are knowing, okay, I cannot take that on. That is not within my capacity. I love that. That's a great place to start. Lisa, thank you so much for being on our show today. We will have all of your links in the show notes. So if you're driving, if you're out walking, you don't have to remember where to find her. We'll have it all in the show notes for you. And I just want to thank you again. This was such a great reminder of how important just that those little one degree changes are that just making those tiny changes and and doing those little habits, how much they add up to a calmer home and better mental well-being and and all of it. So thank you so much for that. Thank you, Jen. 
I want to thank Lisa again for sharing her wisdom with us. I hope our conversation helps you think about little habits you could add or change that will make a big difference in your life. If you want that wardrobe planner, get it in the style circle along with the summer capsule guide. Those two are an amazing combination that will make the habit of being stylish every single day easier than you've ever dreamed of. I will see you next time. And until then, remember your everyday matters. So get dressed for it. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening today. If you're loving the Everyday Style School podcast, I'd like to invite you to become a member of the Style Circle. It's our monthly all-access membership that gives you everything we create to make style easy so you can save time and money, have easier mornings, and more confidence all day long. You get our seasonal capsule wardrobe guides, all of the master classes we offer, and our exclusive members-only podcast, the Everyday Style School Extra Credit. Plus, you're invited to the Facebook community where you can get even more style support and inspiration. I would love to get to know you and support your style journey. It's just $19 a month, less than the cost of a clearance shirt you're never going to wear. Come join me and make your everyday style easier.